I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm John R. Bray. And I'm Heather B. Armstrong. And today we're going to jump right in and talk about politics and the presidential election. Because it needs to be discussed, I think. Well, we did not have an episode the week of the election because... Which is probably good in hindsight. Yeah. Um, I was on... um, I was on deadline. I was on a deadline that had been hanging over me for a few months, and the hard deadline was two days after the election. So the whole week of the election, I was working 15-hour, 16-hour days. Um, yeah, we haven't talked in at least two weeks. Yeah. Almost, almost at all, not even via text. It's been a it's been a busy period. Yeah, I um I even told my mom that I couldn't text her or talk to her just because the deadline was really really intense. And um it was deadline and kids. That's all I did for two and a half weeks. Um Yeah. Yeah. And then the election on and top of it. The election on top of that. So which I don't know if I can say, like, having having that deadline, um, the importance of it and the significance of it and how many people were counting on me to make that deadline and what it meant for certain people um, was a distraction from, I, get, it, I mean, it wasn't a distraction because Tuesday happened and I felt it like everybody else who's was extraordinarily surprised and disappointed and gutted. Um, but then I had to go right back to my computer and continue to try to meet this for certain people. And um, I don't know if it was... You didn't really have time for it to affect you. Yeah, I had to, I had to, sort, of, I had to sort of push it to a certain part of my brain so that I could physically function to... I don't know, like certain people's livelihoods were, um, it was, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal for you too, not just other people. I mean, it was just, it was an important deadline. That doesn't mean the election wasn't important, but I mean, it's the reality that life doesn't immediately stop. It's just, things do go on. But I'm having a hard time talking about that because my life going on after the election is very different from the lives of um, disenfranchised people after the election. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you could say that as a woman, um, I, I, ha- 
I have certain feelings about it for sure, but I'm a white woman. I'm a white privileged woman. And my life going on after what happened is very different. It looks very different. And I am affected very differently than um, so many of my friends. There's this paradox, I think, of people are, people will be like, so these two white people are talking about the election. <laughs> what do they have to say about it? Whereas I think that if we didn't do an episode about the election, then then people would be just as upset. So this is a very, for me right now, talking about this is is strange and hard, and I know I'm going to get it wrong. But by the very fact that we're talking about it, we're getting it right. I can't not talk about this election. I'm a straight white man. Like, I, I recognize what that means. And I knew this going into the election that... For, for lack of better way to put it, I would weather any candidate because I'm that guy. That's the privilege that I have. And I know that, but I didn't go out and vote for me. And I don't want that to sound cliche or stupid, but I, I didn't. I knew that for me it would be okay regardless. But absolutely zero of the people that mean the most to me in my life fit into the category of straight white man. They're either immigrant or part immigrant or black or female or gay or lesbian or so everybody in my life is impacted by this. And most of them are terrified. And it's bullshit. Yeah, they should be terrified. I mean, already, yes. already we're seeing acts of violence in the name of what was elected into the presidency of the United States of fucking America. And that's what. Even even me, I mean, for, for the people that I care about, that's what scares me the most, is it's not him. It's the hatred that he has just given a platform to. The hatred that has just been deemed okay. Um, that's what scares me. I don't, yeah, I have to come at this a, a, a certain way, because let's start, let's start here. So... Where do I, where do I begin with this? Okay, a lot of, I've, I've received several concerned emails from people saying, where is your voice in this? Why are you so silent? And why haven't you been more involved? And um, I understand where people are coming from, but they don't have any clue what's going on in my personal life. And um, so there's that. That's all, I, that's all I can say is you don't know what's going on in my personal life. That is preventing me from talking or even being able to form coherent thoughts about what is going on. Um, and also my, so I'm, I'm raising two daughters and this was an important election symbolically for me as a woman and as a mother of two daughters. So there's that aspect of it. And there's also the aspect of my children and their involvement in politics and how I have approached it probably differently than many of my friends, many of my quote unquote liberal friends, because of my own experience as a child of conservative parents. I saw a lot of my friends online with their children before the election getting involved in making posters and being very vocal about their children's involvement in the discussion of everything. And it's not that I didn't discuss things with my kids. Um, 
I'm very, I was very pro Hillary from the beginning. Um, and, but I approached talking with my kids and getting my kids involved in a more subtle manner than a lot of what I saw going on. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it kind of goes back to probably some of the discussions we've had before without, you know, not wanting to cram it down their throat and give them your, your view, force it on them. Yeah. It's very important to me that my children come to conclusions about things through learning about them, not because I said so. Exactly. And so we had guided discussions. I guided discussions about what Hillary, Hillary's platform and policies, and I guided discussions about what was the rhetoric coming from Donald Trump and what was wrong with it and why we know that it's wrong and the important way of regarding people and treating people and respecting people. Like I guided those discussions, but I didn't ever get fanatical about we are a Hillary family. I never, I never made a point of that because growing up, Ronald Reagan was shoved down my throat and conservatism was shoved down my throat as the only way as this is evil and this is good and it is black and white and this is how you will live and this is what you will think. I don't think it's a, I mean, look what happened. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, and I think you're kind of in the same boat here because you have family that voted for Trump, I would guess, in Utah. And my, I mean, my family did not but uh, Lexton's mother's family did, and his grandparents did. And there was also that piece where you have to toe that line because I don't want to smear them as people because they're attached to that candidate. But it's also hard when you know, he, he asked me several weeks ago, he, he asked me if they were voting for Donald Trump. And I said, yes, I think that they are. And he said, well, don't they, don't they know that he's kind of a racist and kind of mean? And I said, well, I, w I think so, but maybe they don't see it that way. I don't I don't know. You'd have to ask them. But those are the questions that are so hard because I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they, if they don't see it that way, if they see it that way and they don't care, but it's a hard line to walk. I saw a, a tweet this morning from someone that said, perhaps, okay, let's give them this. Let's, let's say that, you know, the majority of people, and I don't believe this. I actually do believe that the majority of people who voted for Trump are racist. I absolutely yep. do. <laughs> They yeah. just refuse to admit it and um, yes. refuse to acknowledge it. Um, but this tweet I thought was, it, it was coming from a, an evangelical. There's a lot of evangelicals who are upset about it, about evangelicals not standing up to him. I've seen a lot of that, yeah. And um, she was like, so let's just say that the majority of them aren't racist or um, misogynist. But what they're saying with their vote is, well, a little racism and a little misogyny didn't really hurt anybody. Right. It's tolerance. And I think that's an insightful way to start to um, explaining. <laughs> oh, God. my So my my kids went to bed before the, res the final results came in. And when they woke up the next morning, we were eating breakfast and I said, you know, bad news is that he won and Lita sort of put down her fork and she's like, what does this mean? And, um, my, my answer to her was he promised a lot to these people. Uh, he promised a lot to these people during the campaign that there are systems in place that are going to prevent those things from happening. We, we will prevent, we'll prevent those things from happening. So I'm, 
I I truly believe that with with the right work and the right voices and the right outpouring of strength and and physical work that those much of what he promised to those people isn't going to happen or at least we're going to fight it what's scary is that half of the country thinks that people of color and the lgbt community and basically women you know um, fuck, fuck all of them. I didn't say this to her, but I said right. basically half of the country um, voted and, and thinks that racism is okay. That that many people think it's okay. That's what it, we should truly be scared about. Is that this exactly? Um, and that's what I think. The policies of of Donald Trump will hurt those disenfranchised communities. But what's scarier is now the emboldened public who has always been racist who have always had these feelings are now expressing them because a leader has legitimized those feelings yeah that's what scares me more than anything else and the fact that it it was already coming out i mean really it was coming out before the election but you know just everything that has happened since the election in just a few short days it's disgusting and horrifying What's really horrifying is that the media is already rushing to normalize him. And yes, that's the fight. That's one of the big fights that has to happen is that we can't let that happen. And we can't as we as white people, we can't let that happen. You, especially as a white man, can't let that happen. And it needs to be called out every time it happens. Yes. Well, I think what people, I, I'm I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that this is, I think, something that people need to be really cautious of is we need to not separate the fact that he is president from the platform that he ran on. I mean, I think a lot of people have this idea ingrained that you respect the president. They're a person, you respect them, you like them because that's the role. That's a president. You can't humanize and respect the platform on which he ran. And by trying to humanize him, that's what you're doing. You're saying that it's okay. And it can't happen. It can't be okay. It can't be tolerated. Did you see the cover of People Magazine? I, I, You know what? I didn't see the cover, but I've seen a lot of backlash on my timelines from people who've canceled subscriptions and donated to organizations it's, because it's of it. It's literally horrifying. It is horrifying. I will eventually write about this, but I think that one of the main reasons that I have been so quiet this election cycle, other than being worked to death and having very little... I'm sorry, I'm very emotional because I haven't slept a lot in the last two weeks. Um, one of the one of the reasons I have been triggered in so many ways by this man, nightmares, weeks of nightmares by this man. I mean, I finally went into therapy and sort of downloaded all of this, but there's so much behavior by him that I recognize from men in my life that has affected me from birth till now. And... My relationship with men recognize behaviors in this man that have terrorized my life by the men in my life. And it's been hard for me to, um, like, I would watch about 10 minutes of a debate and then be unable to finish watching it because I can't, seeing him and his gestures and the words coming out of his mouth were triggering trauma um, 
from childhood and from relationships. Yeah. So I can only imagine what immigrants and people of color are feeling. I can only, I mean, I can't imagine. This is where it's most difficult for me. Um, and, and again, I realize that it is so easy for me and I, I'm not, I'm not comparing and I'm not saying that, but, you know, hearing you say that and, and, you know, just from knowing you, I know bits and pieces of things here and there, but I can't relate to it and I don't understand it because I am a straight white man. I don't get it. And I think the best that I can do is to know that I don't. And rather than saying, it's not that big of a deal or you're making this into something that it's not, is to just to recognize what that means to you and what that means to people of color and what that means to the LGBT community. Because I don't, I'm, I don't know what else, how else to approach that because I know that I don't understand it. So from my experience as a woman, it's basically saying, you know, I had a father who to- I had a father whose anger and temper terrorized my childhood. And I had a racist father whose racist tendencies terrorized my childhood. And um it's basically like saying, well, you know, that's whatever whatever your dad did, whatever, it's fine, you know, we'll move on from that, you know. Don't don't blame your dad. You're you're a 41 year old woman. Get over that. Or the challenges that I have fa- being sexually harassed over and over and over again in the workplace. Sexual harassment is the norm. Period. That was my experience. Period. From from the moment that I graduated college until I started my website and I was working in corporate America, I was sexually harassed at every job that I had. Every job. And I always brushed it off, always, because it it wasn't that big of a deal, because it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I still was making money, but I was sexually harassed at every job that I had. So let's just push that aside. Let's just push that aside. It's not a big deal. That doesn't really happen. And that's what's so completely fucked up is that it was already, it's already a norm. And then something like this happens that makes it like a publicized norm. Like encourages it. Normalizes it. Yeah, but I mean, it's even a step further than that. I mean, I feel like it, it encourages it. Yeah. Like not, not only is it normal, but you can do these things and still succeed. And that's bullshit. And it's bullshit that people turn a blind eye to that. Well, I, 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 said, I said at the beginning of, I said at the beginning of this year, I was like, when, when it was showing that Trump was gaining momentum, like I was like, I, I am not going to listen. I'm not going to listen to NPR. I'm not going to listen to NPR and listen to, to actual reporters normalize this person. Like, I can't stand that they that they did it, that they continued to do it, that they did it all the way up until the end, that they were the false equivalency of, of what he was doing and what Hillary was doing or has done or whatever egregious thing that Hillary has done. They were trying to normalize and equate those things, and it drove me fucking bananas. I couldn't listen to it. And from my seated, from my seat here in this privilege, I will never understand what my what my friends were like. How could they possibly listen to this? Like their experiences of being marginalized and being terrorized throughout their lives just by walking out the door and going to the fucking like driving. You can't drive while black without being scared. Like traumatized right. just 
driving anywhere, traumatized by putting on a fucking hoodie. Like, how can they sit and listen to this beat being legitimized? And what happened on Tuesday night was horrifying to them. They are rightly, rightly outraged at everybody, especially white people, regardless of whether or not we voted for for Trump or not. Regardless, they are angry at us, as they should be, because we haven't done enough. Yes. And I'm not sure how – I mean, I either cut ties with my family because my family, if I even bring up politics with my family, they go further to the right. I can't even bring up politics without the divide becoming bigger. So do I yeah. cut ties with my family? This is, this is the dilemma, is that I have no help except for my family. So do I cut ties with my, with my racist family? Because they are. And I know my mom will listen to this and she will shake her head. My mom is, the, is my best friend. And my mom has helped me tremendously, especially in the last few weeks, as I have been drowning underneath the weight of this deadline. And my mom is my biggest supporter. But my mom is one of those people who, well, you know, Let's pick up and let's move. Let's move on. Let's, you know, it's all come together. Well, fuck all coming together under this. No, this is not something you come together under. And that's where I stand. I, I mean, like I've said, I don't have family, my family here. But both of Heather's parents voted for Trump enthusiastically. And they are the help that I have. And it's it's the same when I try to have conversations. It's like the only way to compromise is if I swing right. That's that's the only place that compromise exists. And I feel kind of stuck. On Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday morning, I found something on Twitter. And I, I actually have the link for it, so I will make sure that, that we share this. But uh, an account on Twitter who goes by at Absurdist Words uh, went on this a big, a fantastic, just incredible... I don't want to call it a rant because that sounds negative and it was super well worded about what it's like to be marginalized. And at one point he says, do you mind if I just read just a few of these? No, of course. Okay. He said, I'm talking to you now, surprised white people. I want to bring you in for an empathy moment. This feeling you have right now, amazement that the country could be so short-sighted that it could embrace hate so tightly. Welcome. This despair and dread you feel, the indignation, the bewilderment, the hurt, the powerlessness, the fear for family and livelihood. Welcome. That knot in your stomach, that feeling of heartache, that uncertainty about your safety, that deep sense of fundamental injustice. Welcome. For many marginalized people, this spike in distress you feel this morning is what we feel every morning. And he doesn't go on to, to bash white people. It's a, it's a very articulate welcome. Like now, now that you know how this feels... It's time to do something. And I'm so fucking sick of people saying not my president, because unless you have spent a considerable part of your life advocating for the marginalized people and actively fighting against what happened, then he is your fucking president. There's no way around it. He is because we all played a role in letting it happen. I didn't vote for him, but I realized that I could have done more and I didn't. And I just think that's such an easy way for people to snake out. And I, it's not that I'm opposed to the protest, that that has nothing to do with it. It's just that's he, he is our president. And we all played a hand. 
Yeah. I read a thing. I was I was not able to be on Facebook or Twitter up until yesterday. Yesterday being Friday after the election, and because of this deadline, and so I I haven't done any reading except for like this morning. And I read. I, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, so I'm not going to. I can we can put a link up to it. Um, she wrote a, an incredible article about how we have to create a culture in which voting for Donald Trump is um, not, we have to make it so that when you, when people make those little racist remarks and at the water cooler or people, um, we have to make it so that it's not cool. Like, oh, really, you're racist? That's not cool. It's not cool here in this space at all, here at the Thanksgiving table, here at the water cooler, here at the school. You don't have an anti-bullying policy. I'm going to make a... St- fucking stink about it and in every right. instance it's basically these little instances that we have to build up into a snowball of these little instances where it's like it is not okay for you to make that racist remark and to actually take action in those little moments yeah I, i'm not i'm not doing it justice because my brain is so jumbled right now no i understand i'd like to i'd like to read that the the ceo of grubhub sent out a similar note to his employees that None of this will be tolerated. It has never been tolerated. It will never be tolerated. And they're about inclusion and equality. And the the way that his statement basically ended was, if you don't agree with any of this, then you can reply to this with your official resignation because you're not welcome here. Yeah. Which is how it should be. But I'm still struggling with what do I do at the Thanksgiving table? Well, the people closest to you are the hardest ones to face. And I guess it's it's the instances when stuff does slip out of their mouth when I say, you know what, we're not going to talk about that here because I won't tolerate it. We're not going to talk about, quote unquote, those people. They like to use... Is that how they refer to them? Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is why I don't... I've never talked about politics or religion with my family is because that's how divided we are. And this is this is what, this is what is so... Like at the beginning when, when it looked like Donald Trump was possibly maybe going to take the nomination for um, the Republican Party. My my parents had come to pick me up. I had just gotten home from Germany. <laughs> oh, the irony. Um, and I said, what are you going to do about Trump, Mom? And she just kind of laughed. And she said, well, maybe we won't vote. And then we kind of got into a political discussion about a month later after he had the nomination and she started she went off on Hillary and I told her that we had to stop talking because I couldn't see straight because it was clear to me then that they had come around to him they found a reason that it was okay Mm -hmm. that's what I saw with Heather's parents as well and every time that that reason they latched onto crumbled because of something that he said or did they would find another one to grab. I, I felt like they were searching for a reason to be okay with supporting him. Like there was no way to talk to reason because there was always some little, some thread that you could find and grab. Well, that thread was, um, we don't, I mean, white people, white people, white, we're white people. And there's, this is a thread. This is a, right. this is a threat to being white. His, his election guarantees 
my continued whiteness. He that's the platform that he ran on, and that is that is how he turned out that vote for him. Is he played into the whiteness? That is what he played into. Yeah, and there's a there's a really good episode. I don't know if you listen to This American Life. I do. Yes, I haven't for a little while, but I. Do. They did this incredible episode about the um, Islamophobia and how it was disrupting before he even announced his presidency. Islamophobia was basically raging across the heartland of America because uh, refugees were coming into these small towns, let's say in Wisconsin and Michigan, and white people were getting really upset about it. And were they were holding in, in town hall meetings, basically demanding that there be a moratorium and that no refugees be allowed in. And they were concerned about these different looking communities sprouting up and looking different and doing different things. And and basically saying that these communities were coming in to establish Sharia law. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a fascinating episode. And these people really believed that and. Lance, I think it was in Lansing, Michigan, that Sharia law had been established. Like, like, wow. And, and Donald Trump played straight right into that. We are white and we are fearing that this, this change that is happening is a threat to our whiteness and what, and our power that we have held on to since the inception of this country. And he played right into that fear. Yeah. And he, I mean, by using those words, by, by using, you know, the Sharia law, that, that, that has been going on before he even announced his presidency was this fear of the different. It was a fascinating piece of reporting and gave me an insight as to how this could possibly be happening is that this swath of rural America is so afraid of losing this idea of i don't i don't know they're afraid of losing their privilege they don't even know that they didn't that the concept of privilege to them is it's it's that's too it's intellectual it's, it's too it's intellectual life. sorry you didn't call it like it is they don't even understand what that fucking means a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've been reading a lot of different pieces because what first came out, you know, immediately after this all happened, after the election, was that it was, you know, the West Coast elite that were to blame because they're over there in their blue states and this and that. And a lot of a lot of people who are from the heartland, who are from the Midwest, were coming out and saying that, you know, it's not that's not really true. It's 
it's the people that are from the heartland in the Midwest and not even the ones in the areas where these refugees go, but in the areas that don't have them in the towns where people are born and raised and grow up and raise their own families. And those kids stay in that town. The people who haven't really experienced what that difference even is, they don't know it. So all they know of it is that they're taught to fear it because it's different. And they buy into that because that's all they know. And I say that's all they know because that's all they choose to know. The information is out there, but... Um, my friend Karen wrote about this. So there was there was an article going around saying, you know, rural America, the problem is, is that they, they rarely come in contact with a person of color or there's one Muslim in the entire town or they have a friend who knows a friend who's gay. So basically what they're saying is they weren't, the the it wasn't a concrete concept to rural white America that these policies are going to be hurting people because they don't know these people. And my friend Karen was like, um, I'm sorry, but I'm not fucking buying into that because I do not know anyone from Burma. There is not a Burmese student at my child's school. There is no one from Burma that I know of in my town. But if someone stood up and said, I am going to deport everyone from Burma and everyone from Burma is evil and we're going to we're going to ban them and we're going to put them on a list and we're going to ship them home. You know, inherently that that's fucking wrong as a right. as a as a as an intelligent human being. Yes. As a feeling human being, you know, yes. that's inherently fucking wrong. Even if you don't know anyone from Burma, you know, it's wrong. Right. Even if I'd had a dozen bad experiences with people from Burma, I would know it was wrong. Honestly, I mean, you can't blanket. But you have to be able to think and reason and be intelligent rather than just buying into fear. This still doesn't solve the question of what do I do at Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> This is the thing, and I got to find the tweet. Um, why don't you keep talking? I'm going to go find the tweet because this really sums. Some... Look for that. <laughs> Hold on. So I'll ju- I'm just going to I'm just going to ramble on. Just well, ramble. I don't I don't have to face that for Thanksgiving because I don't spend it with her family, so I don't have the the pressure of dealing with that. I had a very small confrontation with a semi large group of Trump voters on her side of the family, and it was unpleasant and went nowhere. And I'm thrilled that I don't have to go through that again. But at the same time, it needs to happen. Yeah. We can't not. I mean, I I totally get where you're coming from 100%. But to not say anything, that's why we're at where we're at. It really is. I mean, yes, there's there is. It's fascinating to me that that there doesn't seem to be a way to compromise in any sort of central fashion. And I'm not expecting anyone to completely agree with all of my more liberal views. But when I sit down and talk to someone, I try to understand their side of things and see where we can meet. But that never seems to be the case when I try to do that about Trump. Like you said, they just flee to the right. Yeah. And Twitter's not pulling up for me, but Zach Klein, this morning he said something like, for those of us who grew up in intolerant and anti-intellectual households and rejected that. Um, That's one of the reasons 
we're so upset about what happened on Tuesday night is that what we rejected from our childhoods is is winning out. I was the first person in my family to have a, my my a friend from high school was a lesbian. You know, I'm the first person in my family to that was <laughs> like I remember being afraid to talk to my my parents about it because I knew that they would have a certain feeling about Karen. It was her name. And um, I was the first person in my family to be like, this is okay. Like what she's doing isn't wrong. How she feels isn't wrong. And it was from there that I gradually came out of the intolerance and came out of the anti-intellectualism. And, but the divide between me and my family is so wide. And, and this is the thing is that I don't hang out with anyone who voted for Trump. I don't have people in my life voted for Trump. I don't follow anybody on Twitter or on Facebook who voted for Trump. Like I don't see, I didn't see any of that in my yeah, timelines. And um and and so but my family, the close the, the people my blood the blood relatives of mine have bought into this. And I'm being I am charged with changing the narrative not changing the narrative but making them understand the narrative that they have told themselves about what this means and what that means for the disenfranchised it's at a point with a lot of these people where i feel like you could you know if you had a way to actively show them to take them from place to place and show them what is happening and show them how these people have been disenfranchised what's going on i don't think they'd care like, that's honestly how I feel. I feel like they would see it and decide, well, this is a one-off situation. Or they simply would not care. Or they would say, yeah, but that's just kind of part of a big society. It just happens sometimes. But if it's happening to a white person, then that's not part of a society. That we we can't allow that. Mm -hmm. But anyone else, that's just, eh, you know, it ha it's sad, but it happens. And that's like the best case reaction because there are definitely the voters that are like, that's not sad. Fuck them. I know that. I mean, and apparently there's a lot of them, a lot more than a lot of America had anticipated. This is the thing is that like I we were hopeful that that we were going to win out on Tuesday night. We all were. We were all hopeful. But I know and am related to that swath of America that is going to. They really doesn't care about the rights of, of the disenfranchised. They would reject the word disenfranchised altogether. They would reject it outright. I, my entire family, this is my family. This is where I grew up, my, in my hometown, my home state. Like I am very well acquainted with this thinking. I was, this, that's how, it's how I was raised to think. And it's, Getting people, if you can't get people to critically think about things, to deconstruct things, to to dissect things with a critical eye, then you have to create a culture where it's not okay to be openly racist. It's not okay to treat people this way. It's not okay to think that it's okay to build a wall. We have to create a right. culture where we're going to call it out every time we see it. And what's hard is that I think that's how people are. Like when you're when you're a little kid, that's that's your first thought. You know, you know what a bully is. 
You know, I mean, you know what it, you know the difference between right and wrong. I mean, the, the absolute first second that that wall came up, Lexton thought it was insane. Like, why would you do that? Who would really do that? And it's so easy, though, if, if I was one of those people that thought it was a great idea because fuck them, to make him think the same thing. Well, and then well, that pattern the, here's continues. The, here's what happens, Lexton, is that they come over here and they steal our jobs. Exactly. And the reason, yep. and this is what it is, you know that job that I used to have that now, that that got shipped over to China? Yeah, so the Chinese are taking our jobs. Mexicans are taking our jobs. And that's the reason that I had to take this other job that pays me less. Is that they are coming yep. over here and they're taking our jobs. And not only that, they are living off the government. So if we build a wall, then I get my job back. You may, you simplify it just like that. That's how it was presented to me. That's how it was simplified to me. Heather, black people don't want to work. This is what was said to me. Black people don't want to work. Black people want to have as many kids as they can because if they have a lot of kids, they can get welfare for each one of those kids. They can get food stamps for each one of those kids and they don't have to work. They don't have to go to a job every day. They can just sit there and collect money from the government, from my tax dollars that takes out of my paycheck and they can be lazy. That's what's wrong yep. with black people, Heather. I was told that again and again and again. That's what was taught to me. And that's how it's, that's how it goes down from generation to generation to generation. And that has, that has to be broken. Well, it's the critical. And that's why I give you so much credit because you broke it and you had a much bigger uphill battle than I did because that's not how I was raised. I wasn't raised to think that. So I didn't have to critically think myself out of that racist hole. And this is totally a sidebar that we don't need to go down, but I find that incredibly humorous because I took your recommendation and I am now reading under the banner of heaven about Mormon people who have a bunch of kids and rely on the welfare to support them. And they're white. <laughs> and that is hysterical to me. I can't even, that's so, oh my God, it's, the hypocrisy is just insane. Well, what I find very interesting, and I will say this outright, because I'm I'm really pissed right now at Mormons. I'm really pissed for a few reasons. One of them I'm not going to get into. <laughs> but Mormons were a disenfranchised people. They were forced out of every settlement. When, when the church was starting, they were forced out of Illinois. They were forced out of Missouri. They were forced out of New York. Yeah, they had to flee they constantly. They had to flee constantly. They were a disenfranchised people. And they elected that which would that they basically elected he who would have he who would do to the disenfranchised now. He he would have done that to them. Oh yeah. But because they are now white and integrated because they're because it is now seen as acceptable because Mormons conform to the to to the law of the land, quote unquote. And now that they're white, they re, they are not standing up for the very thing that they were persecuted for for yeah, being it's like different. They've chosen to forget it. Mm -hmm. Like now now that they're accepted, they don't have to help those who are no longer who who aren't accepted. Exactly, and it's so backward. So backward. We, I'm, you know what? I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to tell the story because I'm probably going to go on a tweet storm about this. But I live in, um, I live in a nice neighborhood, and I pay rent. 
I don't own. I pay rent and I subsidize that rent by renting out a room to a very nice lady and um, who is basically a step aunt to my children. And um, I have a very awkward driveway that goes downhill and I have a very long sidewalk in front of my house and shoveling the snow is pretty much impossible for me alone to keep up with. I'm a single mom of two kids, and there is a 60-year-old woman who lives in my basement, and it's treacherous for us when it snows because we have to keep up with the snow shoveling. Also, you get fined by the city if you don't keep your... (laughs) Okay, yeah, it's a big deal. Snow shoveling here, especially last year, I went a month and a half without a service, and I almost died twice while trying to use a the snowblower that I have. We couldn't get out of the we couldn't get out of the house because it had snowed so much. And then I proceeded to pay basically a mortgage every month and having a service come and take care of my my the snow shoveling. I remember that actually. Yeah. So my mom found the ward that I live in and she approached the ward and said, "Hey guys, you might know this because she's on your rolls. She hasn't had her name removed yet. I haven't. I haven't had my name removed yet. And she's. She, I know you know that she's there. She's single. She's got two children. The father lives in New York, so she has no help. And I'm wondering if you can help me help her with her driveway. She's willing to pay. Is there an Eagle Scout in the ward? Is there a service that you know of? Is there somebody in the ward that can help her out? She's willing to pay. Can you guys, can you guys help? Crickets. Really? Not, not even a no? He said he'd call me. And he, that was four weeks ago. Wow. So she emailed the bishop. Oh my God. Crickets. And they're all about helping. I live I live among them. This is not like somebody who lives in another country. I live two houses down. I live next door to. I am right here. And it's not like I'm asking for a charity case. I'm just asking, hey, can you guys, can you guys like. Find me a service, like recommend somebody. Recommend somebody. I would love to pay a teenager in the ward to help me with this. Crickets. So they only look out for their own. I guess here they do. If they were, I mean, fellowshipping people. When I when I was growing up, you fellowshipped no matter what that person stand for. What what that person stood for? You you show up with a casserole. You show up with here. Let me help you sweep your your back porch. I don't care what you stand for. I don't care what you've done. I am here to help you. That was that. Those were the values that I, the Mormon values that I was brought up on. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Like, that's important to them, to help. Mm-hmm. Huh. But it's now also political. Right. You're an outsider. Yeah. It's it's watching out for your own. I mean, that's that has it's kind of what it's become. Because people tend to think that if you if you help someone who's not, you know, like you, somehow it's going to hurt you or your kind. And it it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's just like there's no, there's no way to justify it. There's no way to explain it with logic how that how that will be the well, case. I'm trying to figure out how do they feel threatened? Do they are they trying to punish? I'm trying. 
it was just not important is I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the reasoning behind why they wouldn't even return a phone call or, or answer my mom's email. This is my mom. My mom is Mormony, Mormony, Mormon, 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 Mormony. <laughs> my mom has has led choirs for the opening ceremonies of temples, multiple. You know, why wouldn't they even answer her email about this? It, it boggles my mind. Because if they answer it with a no, that means they're they're not willing to help. If they don't answer it, oh, they never saw it. Oh, they got too busy and they forgot. Because then they don't have to take responsibility for it. So you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> oh, man. Here's where I can take a stand. Here's where I can help my community. I'm going to show up and let this podcast be a warning. I'm going to show up. They have a thing called Fast and Testimony Meeting every the first Sunday of every month. It's basically an open mic at the Mormon Church. Did you know about this? I did not. Yeah. But so I see where this is going and I wish I could be there mm-hmm. for it. You basically show up and every first Sunday of the month they pass around a microphone and you stand up and you bear your testimony. And it's no it, it there's not a list, there's not a schedule. It's whoever feels moved to stand up and bear their testimony. Guess where I'm gonna be first Sunday oh in December. God. Guess where I'm gonna be. You, you have to be a Mormon to go? No. You don't have to so do anybody can just walk anybody in. Anybody can it. walk in and do it. Guess what? I am Mormon. Guess, oh, I know. Guess but what? I, was just I haven't had my name. Have not had my name removed. So <laughs> why not? Is that a process? Like it is a process. I'm okay. I'm waiting. My my friend. <laughs> I won't mention her name because not everybody knows that she left the church, but she had her name removed after one policy went through, and I asked about her husband, and she's like, "No, we're saving his for the next thing that happens." <laughs> oh God. We're saving his name removal for the next time they fuck up royally. And I'm kind of waiting for, you know, this this whole election may be what, what, what pushes me, but I'm going to go and in. That's a pretty big fuck up. I mean, yeah, it is a pretty big fuck up. So I'm going to show up to testimony meeting. I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, please. That's, <laughs> oh my God. I, I want to just go and sit in the back and listen. And my girls wow. will be with me. So what, I mean, outside of the Thanksgiving table though, what are you going to do moving forward? And what are you gonna what are you gonna talk to your girls about that they can do? Well, we have discussions all the time about how they treat people, and I, I talked to Lita extensively about what was going on at her school, like what what were people saying to each other, and did she overhear conversations? And she's the majority of what she said was people were concerned for um, their people were concerned like is he really going to build a wall and and like this can't happen and she goes to a very 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 white mormon middle school so i'm a little concerned um but what she reported to me was that the talk was more pro pro hillary than it was for pro trump the first thing that i'm going to do is i'm going to go down to both schools and demand to talk about their policies for anti-bullying for counsel like, how do they counsel students who feel threatened and frightened? That's the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to the schools and then get to know my neighbors. That's the next thing on my list because I don't know my neighbors. And that's probably where the conversation has got to start. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there are a few areas near me that have uh, large refugee populations. Uh, and I'm going to try to get involved with those in some way. I've had a couple of friends of mine who said you should you should work with these organizations and see if you can help teach English 
if you can help these people and do something with what you with what you do for a living, can you help? And yeah, hell yeah. I should have long ago. Lexton also goes not to a Mormon school, but to a very white school. Mm-hmm. But his most of his feedback was very similar to Lita's, that it was largely concern-based over the fact that he had won. But it's really hard to have a child and explain, yeah, you really can't act like that and get ahead. That's not a really good way to live. I know someone did, but you really can't. That's, I can't even believe that people have been put in the position of now having to explain that it's not okay, even though half the country thinks it's okay. Yeah, I'm going to put you in, you're you're basically, uh, you get punished for the language coming out of the president's mouth. You're going to punish your 11-year-old child for the language that's coming out of the president's mouth. (laughs) Right, yes. Yep. And dear God, so help me, child, if you get a Twitter and an Instagram account for your 13th birthday, if you act at all like that man, you are grounded. (laughs) Right. Grounded. Yeah. He's definitely someone to look up to. Someone I know um, on either side of the family told me, and this is, you know, we've had political discussions before, and they hated Bill Clinton because... He was not a man of character. And they told me they're voting for Trump because character doesn't really matter. <laughs> Policy matters. Did, and I didn't even know how the fuck to respond to that. Did they tell you about any of his policies? Could they? No, because he has none. No, yeah. He has, he has yeah. no character or policies. Yeah. So what do you, but that's what I mean, like just grabbing at whatever they can. Like, oh, he, he's a really bad person. And this time I'm going to accept that because this tiny little thing over here, that's okay. If I only look at that, then it's okay. I mean, it's, oh God. Yeah. But it's, those are the, those are the comments and the conversations that I've, I've just shut down because honestly, because it's easier because it never seems to be productive to pursue them. And that needs to stop. Yeah. And maybe it's my approach. Maybe I don't know what it is, but I can't not have them because they're difficult because they need to happen. I did get up and I walked out of a date because he was making fun of the way Chinese people talk. I did do that. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I shook my head and I said, don't. Do not sit here and be racist. And he said, what do you you mean? He tried to legitimize it because it was from a rap song and that's when I got up and I walked out that's how he tried to legitimize it he was like yeah I'm just quoting a rap song and I just got up and I walked out wow good for you Mm, I I can't stomach it (laughs) and that's what we that's the culture that we have to create is that we cannot stomach this and we have to make it it's not tolerated in any capacity not tolerated in any capacity yeah. But I guess the the bottom line is that no one at this point should be sitting down. Like everybody has something to do, some work to do to change this and to help things be better than they are. Well, if you have, you know, this episode will be live a week before Thanksgiving. So oh God, please. you are also... <laughs> 
facing a similar situation to the one that Heather will be facing, and you face it every single year, and you too have decided that this is probably the the year that that's got to change, you know, what are you doing different? How is that discussion going to change? What's going to be different about it for you? I'd love, I, I would be fascinated to hear how people plan to approach that because it is hardest with the people that you're closest to. So that or, or anything in relation to this and how this has maybe shaken, shaken your life, even if you, even if you are white and privileged, what has this looked like for you? Let us know and send us an email to stories at manicramblings.com. Yeah. Do I sit do I sit at the Thanksgiving table and say dad? <laughs> yeah. The, the the way people were acting at Trump rallies reminded me of the time that you grabbed me and shoved me up against a wall and held me there by my throat. It reminded me of that. That's why that's why I'm traumatized by it, Dad. Yeah. Probably not. Probably shouldn't bring that up over the turkey. That I won't. You should be maybe eating. wait until people have eaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd, that'd be best. Yeah, that's probably not. That's, that's a great way to end this episode. <laughs> the emotional and psychological abuse <laughs> from my childhood. <laughs> I'm laughing. Oh God. Oh, my therapy bill this month is just insane. Whoa. Paying for the yacht. Money, money well spent. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's end this. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time, don't stand up for it. Make it so that it's not acceptable. Do not legitimize or normalize Donald Trump. Many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack, to Lisa Congdon for the cover art, and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.